Now on 960 The Patriot, it's the Middle East Radio Forum. Your chance to talk about the turmoil in the Middle East. To call in live, dial anytime at 602-508-0960. That's 602-508-0960. Outside of the Valley, call toll-free at 888-960-9696. Questions are also welcome at Radio Forum at AOL.com. That's Radio Forum at AOL.com. Now your host for the Middle East Radio Forum, David Rothschild. Welcome to the Middle East Radio Forum. This is David Rothschild, your host for today. Today our guest is going to be Ted Bellman. But uh, first we're going to hear, as usual, from Yoni Tidi about the upcoming elections and what's going on in Israel. Yoni, are you with us? I am, David. How are you today? I am doing all right. Can you tell us what's going on on the ground over there? Well, for reasons I can't get into here, I've had a total news blackout for over two weeks. I arrived home Friday afternoon at about 5 p.m., giving me enough time to enjoy the first shower in two days, and then eat a good meal of the foods I had missed while I was gone. Sleep took me by 7 p.m., not having slept in a bed since Tuesday night, just getting 20-minute naps along the way for a few days. Shabbat was a day of rest beyond normal. No synagogue, just rest, prayers at home. The Holy Shabbat ended, and I looked at the news for the first time in weeks. The Blue and White Party is talking about Ahmed Tibi and Oday, about joining them in the government, making these two Arabs ministers. Let's remember, Ahmed Tibi was an advisor to Yasser Arafat. And now Bibi has gone on the record as saying he has nothing against an Arab minister in his next government. Are these idiots that want to run Israel insane, or have they just joined J Street? When will this madness end? with an Arab chief of staff of the IDF or a head of the Mossad, or even a Arab prime minister of the state of Israel. Let's be clear. Bibi is no more right-wing and has never been right-wing. Blue and White is the party of the worst three chiefs of staff in the history of the IDF and the son of a self-hating Jew, the party of the three, uh, three stooges and the moron. These are the choices to run the Jewish state. As I am struggling to deal with these facts, I open a new email and find out that San Francisco, that once great city that has become the palace of poop, now has declared me a terrorist, and nearly a third of the Democratic Party think people like me should be in jail. Why? Because I'm a member of the NRA and I own guns. The election in Israel is in two days' time, and the next election in Israel are critical for the future of the world. Understand, if you, the American and the Israeli people, are stupid enough to vote for the left, life as you know it will end. Freedom and liberty gone. The Jewish state gone. Bad things here to stay for a long time. A new dark ages. I can hear the J Street gang. Yoni's crazy. It'll never happen here. Hear me well, you useful idiot capos. This is my world, in both the educational side of my life and my life's work. Once people thought Lenin and Hitler to be no threat, how'd that work out in the end? We are headed toward bad time. Well, <clears throat> pretty grim assessment there, Yoni, uh, but there's plenty of historical examples of people underestimating the threat. <clears throat> I'm sure that when Venezuela was a uh, thriving paradise and producing every other Miss Universe, uh, they didn't expect that simply electing Hugo Chavez could make them be 
eat in the garbage, eating, eating garbage out of garbage cans in the streets alongside their dogs. But that's what happens when you elect a socialist government. It doesn't turn out to be the paradise they thought it was. So you're Well, the difference between here and Venezuela is we have a Second Amendment, and if you try and take our guns away, don't be surprised at what happens. Uh, and that would be unpleasant as well. Hopefully we don't get there, but thanks for uh, letting us know, Yoni. All right. Next time. Our guest today after Yoni is going to be uh, Ted Bellman with uh, isrepundit.com, and we're going to be talking about a number of issues, such as the origins of uh, who owns what land and uh, how that is being uh, fiddled with and messed with today with uh, with failure to comply with the original uh, intents and then uh, an aggressive attempt by uh, the uh, Europhiles to to destroy the Jewish state as usual. Uh, are you uh, with us, Ted? Yes, I am. Here you well. Ted, uh, you had some ideas you wanted to share with us today. Uh, Ted, again, I, as I said, is with Ezra Pundit, has been uh, for 16 years, has been commenting on these kind of issues. And, uh, and let's hear what Ted is thinking about today. Well, the most recent news items in terms of the election, uh, Bibby was coming out and talking about how he's going to annex um, the Jordan Valley. Uh, and um, uh, Bennett is taking issue with him and, and raising other issues, but there's a lot of attention now uh, on what's going to happen with what's called Area C, uh, the lands lying west of the Jordan River, and uh, everybody's up in arms and everybody's claiming it, so I thought I'd review the background and make it very, very clear as to who the land belongs to. Okay, so areas, and if I can, just so we can clarify, yep. is area C all of the lands to the west of the Jordan River? Uh, uh, no, no, not at all, not okay. at all. I'll, I'll get to that in, in, in an orderly fashion. Okay. Uh, but I, I want to stress what's important first. Okay. Uh, if you go back uh, 10 years when Obama came into office, uh, he was really beating up on Israel, forcing upon them a solution that uh, involved the 67 lines, the green line, the, the uh, uh, ceasefire line, if you will, from the 1949 uh, war. Um, he said that that should be the border between two states, Palestine and Israel, with minor adjustments. And just to and, remind uh, everyone, that was the 1949 war where the Arabs sought to destroy Israel and get rid of the Israeli state entirely, which the Arabs then lost, and Israel actually gained territory up to the ceasefire line. Right. Okay. Well, in any event, in any event, uh, the the issue of of entitlement uh, obviously came up during the Obama years, and he was insisting that all of the the West Bank is one way to discuss it. And I'll mention why I don't call it Judea and Samaria, because I don't think Judea and Samaria goes right to the Jordan River. Uh, there's there's more than that uh, west of the river, and, and we're basically talking of the land west of the river uh, that's not part of Israel. Uh, in any event, uh, so we've come a long way. Obama's gone. We're no longer talking about two states of that in that sense, and we're uh, or uh, the 67 lines as the border, and now we're talking about Bibi wants to annex all the settlements and he wants to annex the Jordan Valley. 
So uh, that's where we are today, and how come we've come a long way since before. Uh, I want to mention one other thing about uh, Trump. Uh, Trump has been talking about his deal of the century. Uh, ever since he took office, uh, there was a lot of leaks or misinformation about what it might entail, and nobody really knows. Um, and uh, the people in the know, so to speak, the experts, used to say Trump doesn't know what he's doing, nobody will succeed, uh, there's no way you can put the deal together. And I always used to say, don't sell Trump short. Trump is not going to do what everybody else has been doing for 30, 40 years. Because it's obviously it won't work. And I, I want to interject just one thing yeah. here to support you about Trump, which is how he's consistently underestimated by the political professionals. But how many of those political professionals made themselves billionaires, not even by inventing something new, but simply by doing real estate in the hardest market in the country? So clearly this guy has got something going on for him if he can do something that they would all like to have but weren't able to do. Okay, so the reason he is confident that he's going to be successful is because he's not doing what's been done in the past. And I'll come to that in a moment. So let's go to the basic question, whose land is it? And you have to keep this in mind, because certainly the Palestinians claim it as theirs. It's our land. They even claim Tel Aviv is their land. And the Europeans go along with them. Now, the truth is that the Balfour Declaration in 1917, which started this whole process, identified uh, all the land west of the Jordan River as belonging to the Jewish national home. And actually, they also identified the land east of the Jordan River as part of the Jewish national home. Uh, so that's where everything started. Uh, the Arabs had no entitlement to anything. Now, when the Balfour Declaration was signed in 1922, uh, Churchill came to Weizmann and he said, um, we haven't signed it yet, but I have to tell you that the Zionist provisions that we were expecting will not apply to the land east of the Jordan River. So we are going to take that out of where you can settle. Because, uh, because the, the Balfour Declaration said Jews can settle uh, close settlement of all the land, essentially in Palestine, but they said now we're limiting it west of the Jordan River. And that's what it was in 1922. America agreed to it. Everybody agreed to it. Now, since, and by the way, by severing the land east, which is now Jordan, that's 78% of the original Palestine. So already Churchill gave 78% of Palestine uh, to the um, uh, Hashemites uh, and left 22% for Israel. So again, and, and a lot of people don't, don't know the history of this, so I like to repeat it whenever we can. Yeah. The British mandate of Palestine included all of what is now Israel, but all of what is now Jordan as well. So the the country of Transjordan was created for the Arabs, and the country of Israel was for the Jews. So when the people who call themselves Palestinians want to distinguish themselves as something else, 
they were supposed to be going to Jordan. They were supposed to be Jordanians. Correct. So where where we uh, but it didn't end there. The taking away the seventy eight percent that was just the first move, and then over the next um, twenty five years, the international community tried to further divide uh, what was left of Israel, the twenty two percent, into two states, uh, and they did, tried it in thirty six and whatever, and it was rejected, and finally they passed what's called the uh, uh, resolution dealing with uh, the the Partition Act. Now that's only a recommendation; it was not law, and they recommended two states to be carved out of the twenty-two percent, one for the Arabs, one for the Jews, with a border you can't imagine a worse border, uh, all over the place, and left us in a bad position. And this was um, during the 1930s when Adolf Hitler was a popular politician. He had many sympathizers in France and in Britain, and uh, they were influencing these decisions. Well, if I may, the Partition Act that was finally acted upon by Israel was 1947, okay. uh, which was after the war. Now, uh, and from Israel's point of view, a half a loaf was better than no loaf. So they were prepared to accept the partition and create a state on what was given to them. Now the Arabs, they didn't want this division and they rejected it and they invaded Israel instead. And Israel enlarged the land that they were getting up to the ceasefire land. Uh, they got a little more land and uh, that ended the uh, the fighting at that time, and it saw Jordan had conquered uh, all the land east of the ceasefire line, and that included Jerusalem and, and uh, everything in the West Bank. Jordan conquered it, and Jordan was the uh, and and Jordan named it the West Bank because Jordan had a parliament, and they they had the East Bank and the West Bank, and their parliament was divided between both banks. So that's where the word, the West Bank, came from. It's the West Bank of, of the Jordan. So in any event, it, it remained there until uh, Israel uh, was successful in the Six-Day War, and they recovered uh, all this land. So that's the history up to the Six-Day War, and then the question is, what was Israel going to do with all this land? And unfortunately, at that time, Israel didn't have the population or the strength to say we're going to keep it. And they accepted a resolution which basically said that uh, you can remain in occupation of this land until such time as you have secure and recognized boundaries. And that was basically what Resolution 242 said. So Israel has been sitting there since that time uh, and with the uh, approval of the United Nations Security Council, which passed the resolution and said you can stay there until you have an agreement on borders. So that's one thing. Then pressure was brought on Israel to do something instead of just staying there. And that pressure... Uh, resulted in the Oslo Accords, which is one of one of Israel's very, very big mistakes. <clears throat> and unfortunately, there's a competition 
for which is the biggest mistake in Israel. And uh, that was just one of a long list of bad mistakes. But in any event, um, you know, the, the, when, when, uh, another one for, uh, for argument's sake is when Diane gave the Temple Mount to the Arabs in 1949, gave them the key. Uh, or when uh, uh, Sharon uh, disengaged from Gaza. Uh, we've had some doozies of, of bad mistakes. But uh, in any event, Oslo was entered into, and Oslo has governed these territories um, uh, ever since. And you have to understand what Oslo was. I think uh, we're coming up on a break, so we're probably not going to have time to fully start explaining the Oslo Accords, but we can pick that up when we leave off. I remember the Oslo Accords very well. I was standing outside the Knesset building with my then-girlfriend, now-wife, taking a picture of me shrugging, shrugging my shoulders as they were signing them. But we'll talk about it when it turns over. DeSoe & Macros are my business and personal CPAs for a good reason. Prompt and accurate work means I trust them with all my accounting needs. Conveniently located just off the 51 freeway at 3519 East Shea Boulevard, Suite 122, give them a call and see what they can do for you. 602-996-8885. That's DeSoe & Macros, 602-996-8885. There are a lot of great Mexican restaurants in Phoenix, but I am very particular. When I want the best Mexican lunch or dinner, I head straight to Mi Patio on the southeast corner of 7th Avenue and Osborne. They serve all your favorite dishes and only use pure vegetable oil in their cooking. Mi Patio is sure to become your favorite Mexican restaurant too. That's Mi Patio Mexican Restaurant on the southeast corner of 7th Avenue and Osborne. Tell them that William Wolf sent you there. Watermark Wealth Strategies and Watermark Wealth Planning Offices at 6900 East Camelback in the Camelback Towers has been a loyal sponsor of this program since its start. They specialize in wealth retention, estate, and legacy planning. Watermark has been a leader in the Valley, and its members have been together for over 17 years. Founding partner Carmen Sircone has over 36 years of experience in tax, investment, and estate planning issues affecting retirees and their assets. They offer comprehensive planning that has helped assist families through the process of identifying client objectives and concerns, and constructing a strategic plan to address tax, risk, and legacy issues. Consultations are complimentary, and we encourage you to contact Allison Porter at 480-442-3989 to schedule. Securities offered through Kestra Investment Services, LLC, member FINRA slash SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Kestra Advisory Services, LLC, an affiliate of Kestra Investment Services. Watermark Wealth Strategies, LLC, is not affiliated with Kestra Investment Services or Kestra Advisory Services. How do you choose your accident injury attorney? If you need heart surgery, do you choose your surgeon from seeing an ad on TV or a billboard? Of course not. Choosing your attorney also should not be done so casually and without thought. I do not advertise on TV or billboards, but only on this radio show. I give all clients personal attention. Your phone calls are never intercepted by some untrained assistant. I take all calls if I am available or return calls at my earliest opportunity. I was named Trial Attorney of the Year by the Arizona Trial Lawyers Association two years ago and have 48 years of experience. So think about it and choose your accident attorney wisely. My number is 602-279-1914. 
And my office is located at 7301 North 16th Street, Suite 203 in Phoenix. I personally welcome your call. Again, 602-279-1914. You're listening to Middle East Radio Forum on 960 The Patriot. To join in the conversation, call anytime at 602-508-0960. That's 602-508-0960. Outside of the Valley, call toll-free at 888-960-9696. Questions are also welcome at radioforum at aol.com. That's radioforum at aol.com. Now your host for the Middle East Radio Forum, David Rothschild. Welcome back to the Middle East Radio Forum. This is David Rothschild. Our guest today is Ted Bellman of IsraPundit.com, and we are talking about the origins of uh, where th- the lines got drawn and where potential lines got drawn and just kind of the, the borders and boundaries issues of uh, Israel and Jordan and the former state of of Transjordan. Uh, Ted, whenever we uh, left, we were starting to talk about the Oslo Accords, and I recall that I was standing outside uh, with protesters uh, looking at them and outside the fence and uh, shrugging my shoulders because I didn't think it was such a great idea, but there was nothing I could do about it. Uh, What was it that the Knesset was signing and agreeing to in there on that day? Well, it was a very divisive issue. I think that the, uh, the, the government was split 50-50, and they went out and bribed somebody in the opposition, one person, to get him to switch over and vote for it, and that's how they ended up getting it passed. Now, there are two background pieces of information before I describe it in detail. Many people suggest that there was a motivation on on behalf of the left who was in power with Shimon Peres, and that was they wanted to de-Judaize Israel. They wanted to give away the Israel biblical lands, uh, including the Temple Mount, so that Israel would be a secular state and not a religious state. Now, many people have written about that uh, 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 as factoring in to why they did this. They didn't want the biblical lands, and I'll describe why they're biblical shortly. The second interesting issue is that, if you remember in the Lebanese war, uh, the um, Arafat and his minions uh, in, in um, Lebanon were ready to be destroyed in Beirut, and Israel was ready to deliver the coup de grace, and that would have been the end of it. But Reagan sent in uh, ships to take all Arafat and his henchmen out to save them, and he took them to Tunisia for safekeeping. And they were there, like, for 10 years. And from America's point of view, they were keeping them in reserve until finally they were going to send them back to Israel. So when the Oslo discussions came up, Israel wanted to negotiate only with the Arabs living in the West Bank. And America forced them to negotiate with the PLO that represented all so-called refugees headed by Arafat. And this was the Clinton administration. Yes, and they insisted that Israel bring in Arafat and 50,000 of his terrorists. And Israel did it. It was, and that's one of the horror stories that America forced us to bring all these terrorists 
into the country and put them in a position of power. Now, here's what was given to them. Uh, and Israel thought, we are so strong, we don't have to worry about them, uh, and uh, we can defeat them anytime we want and whatever. Uh, but what was decided, by the way, the Oslo Accords is like a constitution where you have different levels of government, each with identified rights, okay, just like Canada, our states' rights in the states, it's a division of powers between different entities. And they decided to make three types of areas, delineate them, and that's, uh, first of all, there was Area C, which was a general area from the river to the armistice lines. Uh, and then within that Area C, there were Area A, uh, I think eight of them, uh, where the major population centers were for the Arabs. And then there were dozens of Area Bs where the minor population centers were for the Arabs. So if you look at Area C and, and you identify the uh, area Bs, uh, it looks like Swiss cheese, like they're so numerous. And you say, how can you have a country with all these holes in it? Oh, okay, but, uh, let, me, let me back up just a second here. So, yeah. so areas, area A's were the major Arab population centers. Area B were the minor Arab population centers? Yes, yes. And, but with area, was it, yet area C were A and B subsets of the big Area C, or was Area C another designation? Uh, it, it was another uh, designation. Okay. They weren't, okay. Now, they divided the powers up, and they said in Area A, and that's Ramallah, Nablus, Hebron, uh, those kind of communities that have maybe 40,000 population and up, that would be administered by the PA, just their areas. And PA would be responsible for security in Area A. Now, Area B, the PA was given the right to administer it, but uh, they, Israel and the PA had shared responsibility for security. And Area C was entirely uh, Israel's responsibility for security, for planning, for everything. So what type the of the Arabs had no piece of Area C? What what type of if if area area A's were were major population centers, area B were were minor Arab population centers. What kind of areas were area C's? Well, area C consisted of a, a number of things, and uh, for instance, the land law, which was archaic, because the land law that when you when you conquer land because nobody looked upon this as us recovering land. When you conquer land, the, the former laws apply. So there's Turkish land law and Jordanian land law, and Israel's been fight, following their law for these lands, and they've never changed it. Now, um, and this was all Turkish land law from when the Ottoman Empire controlled yes. that entire region, and then Jordanian yes. land law from when... Israel, when the British mandate of Palestine was split between Jordan, the Arabs, Jordan, and the Jews, Israel. No, no, when, when they were in occupation, uh, when they occupied the West Bank. Okay, so from when the Jordanians occupied the West Bank. Right. Okay. So, in any event, uh, the high percentage of Area C is called state land, and it's owned by the state. 
and then there's other military lands that, and so Israel, one way or another, they're using the land. But I just discovered recently that until now, private individuals, Jewish individuals, were not allowed to buy any of this land. And they're just proposing legislation now that allows the individual Israeli to buy some of this land. So okay. for, for Americans' purposes, and we have most of our listeners probably in Arizona, these were state lands like uh, national park lands, state, yeah. state park yes. lands. They were controlled, administered, run by the by the government of Israel as state-controlled territory, which was right. until recently, you're saying, not allowed to be bought, just like national parks can't be bought unless some yeah. rule is changed to you allow it. it to be sold. You got it. Okay. Now, uh, that's the, the whole story, but the Arabs and Europe and Obama tried to claim that Israel had an obligation to create a Palestinian state over A, B, and C. Now, not written anywhere, Israel never agreed to it, but that's the, what they tried to sell a bill of goods to everybody. So you know, okay. that's the standard standard Middle East negotiating tactic: demand uh, uh, demand everything that you're owed and uh, ten times more, and see what you can get. Well, I, I go further, uh, you know, uh, and and I'm very politicized, and I'm very big supporter of Trump, uh, and I'm very much against uh, the the left uh, uh, compared to the right. The right do everything based on fact and law, and the left do everything based on emotion. They just claim something. They don't care about the facts. They just claim it and show uh, poor children dying or, or, or freezing or, 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 or not having enough to eat. So they play on the emotions because they have no facts and, to support And them. we'll pick that up when we come back, but it reminds me of a statement I heard that to a leftist, truth is not important. And uh, it is to both liberals and conservatives. Watermark Wealth Strategies and Watermark Wealth Planning Offices at 6900 East Camelback in the Camelback Towers has been a loyal sponsor of this program since its start. They specialize in wealth retention, estate, and legacy planning. Watermark has been a leader in the Valley, and its members have been together for over 17 years. Founding partner Carmen Sircone has over 36 years of experience in tax, investment, and estate planning issues affecting retirees and their assets. They offer comprehensive planning that has helped assist families through the process of identifying identifying client objectives and concerns, and constructing a strategic plan to address tax, risk, and legacy issues. Consultations are complimentary, and we encourage you to contact Allison Porter at 480-442-3989 to schedule. Securities offered through Kestra Investment Services, LLC, member FINRA slash SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Kestra Advisory Services, LLC, an affiliate of Kestra Investment Services. Watermark Wealth Strategies, LLC, is not affiliated with Kestra Investment Services or Kestra Advisory Services. Complete Chiropractic and Injury Service, located at 27th Avenue and Bethany Home Road, is your go-to chiropractic office for any accident, injury, or chronic problem. I have worked with them with many of my clients and received uniformly great results. So if you are injured or have chronic pain, you know who to call. Dr. Daniel Severe at Complete Chiropractic and Injury Service, 602-242-2050. That's 602-242-2050. Maryland Deli and Mini Mart on the northwest corner of 7th Street in Maryland is much more than just a great shell station and Mini Mart. Great cook-to-order food, different flavors of coffee and tea, 
beer and fine wine, including kosher wine, round out a wonderful one-stop shopping experience. A loyal sponsor of Middle East Radio Forum, check them out on the northwest corner of 7th Street in Maryland, Phoenix. That's Maryland Deli and Mini Mart, 602-277-6269. There's no such thing as too small to be hacked. 58% of malware attacks target small business, but you don't have to be the next victim. Cerno Consulting has the experience necessary to train your staff and secure your data. Right now, we're offering a free security assessment to the next 10 callers at 602-900-5522 and mentioning this program. Call 602-900-5522. That's 602-900-5522. Siegel's Kosher Restaurant has always been terrific, now even better. They have Mexican Fiesta Day every day with super nachos, beef or chicken tacos, served with rice, beans, and homemade chips and salsa. Open Sunday through Thursday, 11 to 8.30 p.m., Friday 9 to 2.30. Kosher food just does not get any better than Siegel's. 4818 North 7th Street in Phoenix. Call them at 602-285-1515. You're listening to Middle East Radio Forum on 960 The Patriot. To join in the conversation, call anytime at 602-508-0960. That's 602-508-0960. Outside of the Valley, call toll-free at 888-960-9696. Questions are also welcome at radioforum at aol.com. That's radioforum at aol.com. Now your host for the Middle East Radio Forum, David Rothschild. Welcome back to the Middle East Radio Forum. This is David Rothschild. Our guest today is Ted Bellman of isrepundit.com. If you like the Middle East Radio Forum, if you enjoy our programming, you enjoy being able to hear from our great guests like Ted Bellman of Isra Pundit, then uh, let us know by doing business with our advertisers. It is the advertisers on this program that make it possible for us to bring you these guests, for us to be here for you every week. And uh, they appreciate knowing that you heard about them from the Middle East Radio Forum. Uh, They really are uh, the blood and soul of uh, keeping the show going. And Bill doesn't... uh, put anybody on as an advertiser that uh, he doesn't do business with himself. So go by and and let our advertisers know that you appreciate what they're helping you get every week. Like our great guest this week, Ted Bellman of Isra Pundit. And Ted, we left off talking about that facts and truth just weren't so important in seeking their gains. But, and I started to say, facts and truth are important to both liberals and conservatives, but facts and truth are not important to leftists because leftists are revolutionaries who simply have the will to power and it's simply about achieving their objective no matter what. And so that what you're describing here in these Obama era claims to things that they never had, they don't care what the truth is. They, they just, they're in, in it to win it. 100% correct. Okay, so where, where's Trump going that he is confident? And he has already said he is not going to create a Palestinian state west of the Jordan River. Now, that got by a lot of people, but that is a huge statement. He has also said when Bibi said he was going to annex uh, the Jordan Valley at Trump, said that's okay with us because it doesn't conflict with the plan. Okay, now, where did the plan come from and what is it based on? And I'm going to toot my own horn here because I think I know where it was. 
where it came from. Two years ago, I developed a plan together with a Palestinian that involved taking over Jordan and getting the king to abdicate. And my Palestinian friend uh, had visions of becoming the leader of Jordan instead of the king. Now, we held a conference um, two years ago, October 17th. Um, uh, that would have been uh, in uh, Trump's first administration. And we explored the history of Transjordan, its creation, how they have 78% uh, uh, of the land, we have 22% of the land, and we looked into the number of refugees and what they were and whatever, and uh, we developed a plan basically whereby uh, Jordan would be taken over by my guy, Mudar Zakran, uh, and he would give citizenship to all Palestinians, no matter where they live. Uh, and we argued that the United Nations, or UNRWA, the uh, UN group that uh, is responsible for the uh, welfare of the refugees, and the PA, should be done away with. And their functions should be carried on by Jordan under, my, uh, under Mudar Zahran. And everybody was paying attention to that conference because the ideas were so important. Now, um, you will know in the last, since Trump has been in office, he has been hammering UNRWA and cutting off their funds. He has been hammering the PA and cutting off their funds. And I like to think that's in line with what we're arguing for and where we're going. Okay? Now, um, the, the issue, uh, he's also talked uh, at one time of emigration. Well, one of our plans, if, if Jordan uh, gives citizenship to everybody, then, and the, the second thing he's going to agree to do is open up their borders for all Palestinians to return. And I said to my friend, I said, that's all you have to do. And then it's going to be Israel's job to incentivize Arabs to leave and emigrate to Jordan. That's the whole plan. And we hope and pray that that's Trump's plan. Why, already, why yeah. do you believe that it was necessary for a person who calls himself a Palestinian to overthrow the existing government of Jordan and not just that the Jordanian government, these really are their people. They always have been their people. Why couldn't the Hashemite no, kingdom no, do the no. same thing? First of all, the Hashemite kingdom, uh, the Palestinians are their enemy. And 75% uh, of the Jordanians are Palestinians. They hate the king. So, and but, they want to get, uh, so, get rid of the king. But if 75% of the population are already, are, are identify as Palestinians, and right. all of the people who are not there, but they identify as Palestinians, still, it is, that is, that is still, Jordan is still the kingdom to which they really, that population really all belongs. No, but they don't want, they don't want to be ruled by a Hashemite ruler who has nothing to do with them. Okay. They want it to be a Palestinian state. They don't want it to be a Hashemite kingdom. 
So this is another example of what was happening in Syria, where it was the small tribe, the Alawites, that uh, were put in charge, but the majority of the population were not Alawites. It's even worse because there's only 84 members of the Hashemite family in Jordan. 84! And yet they're uh, running the show, so naturally the others are a little disgruntled, which we'll come back to after the break. 5224 North 7th Street in Phoenix is the best place for kosher pizza, subs, salads, and pasta. When you have to have the best kosher lunch or dinner, head straight to Manhattan Pizza and Subs. Open Sunday through Thursday, 10 a.m. to 9 p.m., Friday, 10 till 3, and Saturday, one hour after dark to midnight. That's Manhattan Pizza and Subs, 5224 North 7th Street, or call them at 602-248-8086. Maryland Deli and Mini Mart on the northwest corner of 7th Street in Maryland is much more than just a great shell station and Mini Mart. Great cook-to-order food, different flavors of coffee and tea, beer and fine wine, including kosher wine, round out a wonderful one-stop shopping experience. A loyal sponsor of Middle East Radio Forum, check them out on the northwest corner of 7th Street in Maryland, Phoenix. That's Maryland Deli and Mini Mart, 602-277-6269. Cherry Blossom Noodle Cafe has terrific sushi, salads, rice and noodle dishes, soup, and even great pasta. On the northwest corner of 10th Street and Camelback, it will become your favorite Asian restaurant. A loyal sponsor of Middle East Radio Forum for more than 10 years, it is simply the best place for a great Asian lunch or dinner. That's Cherry Blossom Noodle Cafe on the northwest corner of 10th Street and Camelback. Tell them that William Wolf sent you there. Telephone 602-248-9090. Tex As Grill on the northeast corner of Bethany Home Road and 16th Street has been my favorite steakhouse for 31 years. Great food, especially their chicken fried steak as well as daily specials in a comfortable setting keeps me coming back for more. You just have to try it for yourself. Also a great Sunday brunch starting at 10 in the morning. That's Tex As Grill on the northeast corner of Bethany Home Road and 16th Street. Give them a try and you will have a new favorite steakhouse too. My name is William J. Wolf, host of Middle East Radio Forum since 2003. As you may know, I am a personal injury attorney in practice since 1971. I was just awarded the high honor of Trial Attorney of the Year by the Arizona Trial Lawyers Association. I handle all types of personal injury and wrongful death cases. Unlike many other attorneys, especially the high-volume TV advertising attorneys, I do go to court if necessary to obtain the best possible resolution for all my clients. It is often impossible to obtain the best possible result if your lawyer does not have the reputation of being willing to go to court on all matters. If you have a claim, please call me for a free initial consultation at 602-279-1914. My office is at 7301 North 16th Street, Suite 203 in Phoenix. Again, call 602-279-1914. I look forward to meeting you and making sure that you obtain the best possible recovery. Call 602-279-1914 and please continue to support Middle East Radio Forum. You're listening to Middle East Radio Forum on 960 The Patriot. To join in the conversation, call anytime at 602-508-0960. That's 602-508-0960. Outside of the Valley, call toll-free at 888-960-9696. Questions are also welcome at radioforum at aol.com. That's radioforum at aol.com. Now your host for the Middle East Radio Forum, David Rothschild. 
Welcome back to the Middle East Radio Forum. This is David Rothschild. Today we are talking to Ted Bellman of Isra Pundit. And when we left off, we were talking about the uh, situation with the 70, with over 75% of the people who think of themselves as Palestinians <coughs> are really residents of Jordan, which is controlled by a very, very small Hashemite family. Now, back during the Soviet era, the Soviet Union was interested in pushing the PLO and the uh, Yasser Arafat as a way of destabilizing a Western ally and putting in a pro-Eastern, pro-Soviet ally. But if the overwhelming majority of, of people who think of themselves as Palestinians are really people who are either living in Jordan or or could be living in Jordan, it sounds like you're suggesting that the modern barrier to a solution to this problem is the rule of the Hashemite kingdom. Absolutely, because they're vocal about it. The Hashemites, uh, the King Abdullah and Abbas are forever uh, rejecting Israel, uh, causing trouble on the Temple Mount. Uh, The last thing the Hashemite kingdom wants is for Palestine uh, to be... Uh, for Jordan to be turned into Palestine, and he is insisting on a Palestinian state west of the Jordan River to protect his kingdom. He is the biggest opposition to our plan, because he doesn't want uh, to be Palestine. And part of our plan is that when Jordan gives citizenship and whatever, that Jordan will be Palestine, and you'll have your two-state solution. Now, one other thing of considerable interest Gaza has about 1.7 million uh, Arabs living there, of which 1.3 million are refugees. And the West Bank has maybe 2 million, of which 800,000 are Palestinian refugees. So what's going to happen is that UNRWA gives this 2 million refugees uh, education, social security, and health care. And UNRWA is going to be folded up, and Trump is going to say to all the refugees, you go to Jordan, and Jordan will give you all these services. Your country is Jordan. You're not going to be welfare recipients from the United Nations anymore. Go home. Correct. That's the idea. And the reason I have so much confidence in it is because it's so logical. So the Palestinians end up a homeland on 78%, and the Jews get a homeland on 22%. So, and this, I hope, will happen in the next couple of months. That would be, that would be an earth-shaking event. It will be very interesting to see if, if that plays out. So, so is, so what's going on there then in Israel with regards to, uh, BB's movements on area on the area C things and and uh, and well, BB knows BB knows this plan, but nobody wants to come out and and say it. And so, but the fact that he is now talking about annexing uh, the Jordan Valley and annexing the settlements and whatever, uh, and Trump is approving of it because they all know where it's going without saying so. I mean, well, this is such a sea change from Obama. Like this, it's just incredible. I describe this, by the way, as the biggest game changer since the Six Day War. 
Well, it, it certainly would be if it plays out the way you're suggesting. But again, yeah. it should be no surprise that this is so radically different from Obama because Obama was dead set against the existence of the state of Israel. Obama yeah. was a pro-Iranian Arabist who uh, was, uh, yeah. would have just as soon seen Israel, uh, all the Israelis driven into the water sure. because, because he was an ant, at core an anti-colonialist. Yeah, his you know well, his connections with Kenya and and he always took yeah. the side of 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 uh, anybody he that was opposed to the West. He embraced the Muslim Brotherhood big time, and Hamas big time. Uh, that was part of what he did. Embraced Turkey, and he put uh, the, mother, the Muslim Brotherhood in, as the head of Egypt. He sp- allowed the overthrow right. and put in Morsi. And, and I always said in, in when we were planning our conference. If Obama can get rid of Mubarak with an executive action, Trump can get rid of the king with an executive action. It's that easy. I've made the analogy. Well, they also, Obama uh, toppled uh, Gaddafi and uh, his administration toppled Gaddafi and let the uh, radical jihadis take over Libya as well. That was such a travesty. And that's why he can't solve the North Korean deal now. Because Gaddafi, uh, he gave up his weapons, his atomic weapons and whatever, and he was welcomed into the West and he gave up terrorism and all that kind of stuff, and then they killed him. So when you go to North Korea, they say, there's no way we're going to give up our weapons because that's going to be the end of us. And that's a fallout from what happened there. And this was all about money. It was all about graft. It had nothing to do with anything because Gaddafi already had made his peace with the West. I, it's a horror story. I, I think for some of the people in the in the government, of the administration, Hillary's people, you're right. It was about money. It was about graft. It was about increasing. But I think that for it fits in so well with Obama and Valerie Jarrett's lifetime ideology of being uh, anti-Western and pro-Islamist. Uh, as you say, Gaddafi had made his peace. He'd turned over all kinds of valuable intelligence to the West yeah. that allowed us to dismantle the global terrorist network and financial network and arms network that had all been partially going through Gaddafi. Gaddafi had the had the dirt on everybody, and he turned it all over to the Bush administration as part of our war on terror. And uh, mm-hmm. when Obama and Valerie Jarrett came into power, snitches end up in ditches, as they say. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, so I don't. So Obama was a disaster all the way around, and and thank God for Trump. Well, uh, it's uh, it's certainly a a a vast difference from where we were, and f- from an Israel standpoint, it's a it's a vast vast improvement. And I think it could be argued from a traditional American standpoint, it's a vast vast improvement. America has always. Uh, for the most part, looked out for Israel and come through in times of, in times of need. And uh, the Obama administration was the exact opposite. I think Obama himself said that he wanted to put daylight between the United States and Israel, meaning that he wanted to orient our policy towards Israel's uh, enemies, in particular. You have Iran. to be very you have to be very careful here, because I alluded to what happened with the uh, Arafat and the henchmen, how America engineered his return to Israel. And America has not been our friend. Uh, Ever since 1949, they had an arms embargo, which continued until after the Six-Day War. 
They forced us to return in 56 in the Sinai. They forced us to stop uh, defeating Egypt. They promised Iraq, uh, Kissinger did, that they would force Israel to give up the lands and and return to its uh, smaller size. They saved Arafat. They promised us they wouldn't talk to the PLO, and then they talked to the PLO. I mean, they have been working this against us from day one. So don't be so quick to to uh, whitewash them. Well, it's a uh, Trump is it really is, different. Trump Trump is is significantly different. Uh, but there have all it's a, a lot of what you're talking about was also during the Cold War era, and the United States yes. as a as a superpower was playing many games in many places with many purposes, with the focus being on the Soviet Union as the adversary. So sometimes the United States took decisions that were anti-Israel in pursuit of the larger game. But once you get into the world of international espionage and diplomacy, it's been called a wilderness of mirrors for for a very, very good reason. But um, I don't... uh, but I don't think it could be argued that uh, were it not for uh, a favorable relationship with the United States, Israel would have been in a lot worse shape for a long time. And like, so, obviously, there's great relationship with the American people, not so much with the administration. Particularly with the State Department. Yes, yes. So, so uh, while various administrations have been very friendly towards Israel, uh, the the institutional deep state, in particular the State Department, has uh, adopted, long ago adopted, the British-Arabist sort of orientation, which put them at odds with their political leadership on well, many occasions. Well, look at, look at 9-11. Who would believe that they protected Saudi Arabia who financed it? And, I mean, that's so shocking. And again, it's... it's uh, it's a it's a wilderness of mirrors and a, and a tangled situation that goes back a long long ways. Uh, even the difference between George Herbert Walker Bush and his policies towards Israel and his son uh, W. Bush were so very very different. Yeah, and and that's I mean that's two members but, of the but, same but, family. But even you remember even Bush Senior, they're the ones who forced the Madrid conference on us, forced the PLO into the negotiating table, forced us to put. Uh, Jerusalem on the negotiating table, uh, and and Baker was the one who came in, and Baker started this whole idea of cutting us down to sides. So that's there, there's said, a history of anti-Israelism. Right, but that's what I was pointing out is that Bush Senior was terrible for Israel until Trump uh, W was one of the best for Israel. So even within the same family, it was yeah. It's a yeah. it's a sharp contrast. And, but 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 yeah. uh, Bush Jr. was the one who delivered the vision speech in two thousand and two, c- calling for a Palestinian state. He was the one who did that. It's uh, and again, you know, in the context of in the context of the global war on terror and and. Uh, Again, no. In in the world of, of espionage and diplomacy, uh, yeah. it becomes very very complex indeed. And as you say things in pursuit of other goals that seem unrelated to what you're talking about, because mm-hmm. we don't we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. For sure. And uh, so so if Bibi has 
made the decision or has announced that he's going to annex Area C territories, and Trump has said he's fine with that. Where does that go from here? How, how does that Well, first happen? of all, he never said he's going to annex all of Area C. He's just said the Jordan Valley, and Trump said okay, and he said the settlements, and that's okay. But what he didn't comment on was the rest of Area C. So that's a blank at the moment. Um, and, and now Trump has said he's going to table his plan, a part of his plan. And at first, the part of his plan was going to be tabled after the election. And now I think it's going to be tabled after the government is formed. Or maybe they're going to leak out parts of the plan while it's being formed. So that's what's to look for, is this thing becoming more and more public over the course of, of creating a government. So if you're so if you're right, how do you think that we're going? What are the signs that we're going to be able to see after the formation of the government in Israel? What what can we look for as clues that that's the direction well, this is going? Well, the biggest clue of all is a coup in Jordan. So we would sit back and and if if that happens, then obviously uh, that's the big that's, shift in Middle Eastern affairs yes. in, since the Six-Day War, as you said, or earlier. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Who are the, who are the, I mean, it wouldn't be the Palestinian Authority that would be doing that. What, what, what sort of situations and organizations are there? I can't, I, can't, I can't tell you how it's going to happen. Uh, typically, a, I don't know, yeah. but I, I think, but, but, I've never been informed. I've never even been informed that it's going to happen. But I'm just proceeding on the basis there's that it's the only game in town. So whenever you're analyzing that type of situation, you also look at what's the blowback, what's the downside. Uh, there could also, this could also, if attempted, be an unsuccessful attempt at an overthrow of the Hashemite kingdom and revol- resolving in a civil war like is happening in Syria and very strong it, people with strong Islamist, Al-Qaeda, uh, ISIS-type uh, ideologies could rise to the forefront and, uh, I, and I don't seize see control. that happening. What we're expecting is that the PA won't go quietly into the night and they're going to do as much violence and uh, whatever. But over the course of uh, uh, a year or two, Jordan will replace the PA in administering Area A. Ah, so it would be sidelining the sidelining the PA and uh, and right. Jordan stepping in to start being the to organs manage. of government, right? Right, right. And that's but that would again ha- have to be after after some kind of a change in regime in Jordan of because course. they wouldn't that's accept the that from the Hashemites. Like Mudar always says. He doesn't want to confront Israel. He wants to cooperate with Israel. That's the whole tenor is different. He wants to be our partner and he wants us to be his partner, just like the Faisal Weizmann Agreement of 1919. Well, that's very interesting. Thank you for being with us and talking about us te- about this with us, Ted. We will be keeping our eyes on it to see if your prognostication is correct. Uh, I hope so. If, yeah. if, if, if you are correct... I, I can also see some some very dangerous, unexpected consequences happening, but uh, nothing ventured, nothing gained, I guess. 
Thanks for, for com- sure. Thanks for coming on, Ted of uh, Isra Pundit, and I uh, hope people want to uh, hear more of what you're thinking about. They can check out that site. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, next week, uh, we will be back with the Middle East Radio Forum. Uh, your host will be Meyer Jolovitz, and he will be interviewing David Bedin of the Center for Near East Policy and Research and also the Israel Resources News Agency. And uh, But as you're looking at this, bear in mind what we talked about. Facts and truth are important to both liberals, real liberals, and conservatives, but facts and truth are not important to leftists.